Welcome to Living in the Stacks, the monthly podcast where we curl up with a good book and discuss what we thought of it. I'm John. I'm Melody. I'm Max. And I'm Dex. And we're reaching the end of our current cycle, uh, which was unthemed, and I decided to go with one that I've been wanting to read, but I never had the chance to, and I didn't realize it's, once again, I keep picking the short ones. (laughs) That's fine. I am... I am a bad. I should not be picking all the short ones, but I did pick. But they're good ones because we're reading um, Franz Kafka's probably one of his most famous works, if not his most famous, *The Metamorphosis*. It's it's up to, there with the with the trial. Yeah. I just have to wonder what the fuck he was on when he wrote this. <laughs> Czech writers, um, they got a lot. Czech people in Czech, especially like. Um, Soviet Union era Czech, mm-hmm. Czech, uh, Czech, the Czech Republic, they got a lot going on. There's an adaptation uh, of Alice in Wonderland by a Czech uh, filmmaker oh, that yeah. is all done with um, like taxidermied animals, and oh, it's yeah. all cool. shot in this attic, and it's nasty and disgusting, and I love it because it's absolutely bizarre and unlike anything you've ever seen before and it's like it'll cut to bits of the girl narrating so it's it'll be like da 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 thought Alice to herself with a close up on her lips hmm. yeah che- <laughs> yeah yeah that whole region of Czech and Slovakia has has had a lot going on and uh it's showed up in their works because mm-hmm. at this point in time, they were actually part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Right. Uh, this was just before World War One or around the time of World War One, so they hadn't become their own nation yet. So they were part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, bef- and then but after that, they became part of the Soviet Union, and then they finally became their own uh, nation with Slovakia, and then eventually that split up. But yeah, it's very interesting. Um, so yeah, and Kafka himself has has um, a lot of it stems from his dad issues. <laughs> He's got a lot of daddy issues, which we'll talk about. Uh, have you have have you guys been doing uh, in the last couple of weeks? Because it's not been a full month since we last recorded. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Uh, I mean, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. I have another kitty. Yay. Meow. Yeah, so two kitties. Yeah, before we. We before we started recording, there was a small mew. S M O L M E W. Small mew. Small small mew. Tonight, after after we're we're done recording, I'm gonna get ready because tonight I'm going to see Ringo Starr and the Beach Boys at Ravinia. That is a very interesting team up. So I'm I'm seeing. I'm seeing two. I've seen. So I guess after night, after tonight, I will have seen two Beatles perform live this summer. Nice. And we're reading a Beatle book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which we'll get into. But is um, it a Beatle? So yeah. I thought it was a Roach. It's that's a that's what it, that's what we're gonna talk about. Um, <laughs> what fun did up. you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we get into that, we have to talk about the man that was Franz Kafka. I totally get the daddy issues. Yes, that that is in a lot of his books, and I will explain why. I, I got into a big fight with my dad on Thursday. And oh, no. Was, he's a fucking dick. Okay, that that's my piece. I'm done. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, transphobic asshole. Uh, yeah, mm, fine. Yeah, okay. Um, anyway. That's my therapy session for the day. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh... As for Franz Kafka, um, he was born to a middle-class Ashkenazi Jewish family in Prague on July 3rd, 19, uh, 18, 1883. So we're going back. 
I don't think he's the oldest author we've covered in terms of like time period, but he's, he's definitely up there. I forget who was, um, Melody, who, uh, my Antonia. What was was wasn't that like mid eighteen hundreds? Probably. Like that. <laughs> so yeah, we're got, we're Sylvia going way. I don't remember. Yeah, we're going the way back machine, but only to like the early twentieth century. Um, he was the eldest child of the family. Uh, his brothers both died in infancy because infant mortality up until the 20th century was, you know, like in the single did was like in the, you know, 50s per 50%. Oh yeah, your, your, your kid's probably going to die. Just expect your kid to die in that day and age. And he also had three sisters, um, uh, who all survived. Uh, his parents spent 12 hours working in his father's clothes shop. He was a, he became a fashion retailer in Prague. And so they would spend 12 hours a day working in the shop. And then the, so the children were all raised by governesses and various servants. Um, his father was very overbearing and bombastic, if you couldn't tell. And his mother was very shy and quiet. So you can kind of guess where, how Gregor's parents were, (laughs) where their inspiration came from. Uh, after his bar mitzvah, Franz stopped attending synagogue except for four holy days that were never mentioned, which ones I'm guessing probably like Purim and, um, you know, like the big, what are the four biggest ones? He would still go to synagogue with his family. But after that point, he actually declared himself an atheist until later on in his life. So the equivalent of people who only go to church on Easter. And Essentially. Christers. Yeah. Um, he started studying chemistry at Deutsche Karl Ferdinand's Universität. Um, I believe I'm pronouncing that. Uh, Universität? I think it's Una. Um, Shrug. It's been a while since I <laughs> uh, my German diction uh, uh, in college, which was more for the music. But Deutsche Karl Ferdinand's Universität. I know that... Um, it's a it's an umlaut a so it's an et sound. Okay. Anyway, it's present day Car- uh, Charles University in Prague, uh, but basically it went through a whole thing where it actually split into a German speaking portion and a Czech speaking portion, and it was there's it's got a long history dating back to the 1300s and is now currently just listed as Charles University in Prague. So that's where he went, uh, but he studied chemistry and within two weeks of of that he switched to law, mainly because. Studying law gave him more job opportunities, which his dad liked, and even though he hated it. Um, he joined a literary group and befriended uh, journalist Felix Welch, actor Yitzhak Lowy, uh, and writers Oscar Baum and Franz Werfel, um, all of which are very prominent um, Jewish, especially Czech Jewish um Right, you know, figures like Felix Welch was a very prominent Zionist uh, reporter from the era, mm. which was before Israel was a state. But they were all proposed. You know, this is, there was the movement of European Jews to you know return to the homeland and settle before Israel was even a concept. Mm-hmm. And um, so he was friends with a lot of sort of figure famous figures in that community. Uh, and Yitzhak Lau was a famous Yiddish theater actor. Uh, at this time, he also met his closest friend and future biographer and literary executor, uh, Max Brod, um, who was, you know, being the one who actively took it upon himself to see his works published posthumously. Um, because <laughs> Kafka did not lead a great life, we'll get into. 
Uh, he received his Doctor of Law in 1906 and worked for a year as a law clerk. In 1907, he started working in, as an insur- in an insurance company, but left a year later due to not having enough time to work on his writing because he was working 10-hour days. He worked next year. He worked at another insurance company that focused on like workers and labor and labor, and it gave him more time to write. And there's also um, an apocryphal story of how Franz Kafka was the one who was credited by uh, one of the work one of the workers for creating the hard hat, which they didn't have at the time. And apparently Kafka uh, was credited as proposing a hard. You know, helmet for the workers to wear, but there's no evidence of that by the company, so we don't know if that's true or not. It's just an mm-hmm. apocryphal story that gets passed around. Uh, his father called uh, this line of work his Brotberuf, uh, which literally translates to bread job. This is just <laughs> what he does to make money. I love that term, Brotberuf. Um, uh, all of his writings Get were in that Czech. Bread. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, all of Kafka's writings were written in Czech. That was his native language, although he spoke German with um, with a little bit of a Yiddish influence. There's a there's an actual term for it in his Wikipedia article. I forgot to write it down. But he, he mainly spoke German, but he wrote all of his writings in Czech. Uh, he also burned 90% of his work, leading oh. to most of his full-length novels going unfinished. He was very particular. He, if he didn't like something, he decided to destroy it. In fact, he wanted to do the same thing, uh, which I'll get into. Uh, basically, he wanted to pull a Terry Pratchett. Um, Hashtag relatable. <laughs> uh, he started the first asbestos factory in Prague with his brother-in-law. Uh, oh, he immersed yeah. himself in Yiddish theater, which led to him, which his return to Judaism. So after years of being an atheist, it was becoming more in line with his, you know, becoming... You know, meeting friends like uh, Yitzhak Lowry, that he kind of rediscovered his faith, and specifically through his culture. And um, he had to stop working and received a pension in 1918 uh, until his death uh, due to uh, contracting tuberculosis, which didn't have any cure at the time. Hmm. Womp womp. Oops. Uh, spent the rest of his life in sanator- and sanatoriums, which are basically these uh, hospitals quote-unquote, which were just there to house victims of specifically tuberculosis but various other diseases that didn't have a cure because they had not discovered antibiotics yet. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where did I... Yeah. Uh, he was never married, and he had a, but he had a voracious libido. And he was often... So he was often credited with visiting brothels and also had a you know collection of porn as well. And he had various lovers, but he never settled down with any of them. I don't think he even had any children. Although there was one instance where there was a woman claiming that he that he was the father of her child, but that was never verified. Hmm. Uh, he had plans to emigrate to Palestine, as Zionism was a growing movement I mentioned, and at, because uh, Broad was also a Zionist, she was at towards the end of his life. He was considering emigrating to Palestine. Um, Tuberculosis got so bad towards the end of his life that he actually couldn't swallow food, and he eventually died from it on yeah, June third. T- TB really sucks. TB is awful, and and hopefully it's not another one of those that becomes a super bug because we overuse Ugh. antibiotics. Don't jinx us. <laughs> hey, that's on si- that's on that's on the doctors to stop over prescribing antibiotics until we can get these super bugs taken care or, of. Or it's up to someone to just punch every anti-vaxxer in the mouth. That too. Uh, yeah, there's that. <laughs> um, 
I've so yeah, he does tribute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he eventually died on June third, a month away from his forty first birthday in nineteen twenty four, and like Terry Pratchett did, uh, he asked his executors to destroy every last uh, unfinished work of his, and unlike. Um, Pratchett's uh, executors, uh, Max Bro decided to not burn his stuff, but instead published it anyway. Good. Which, for the long-term thing of... We would probably never have heard of Kafka, and he wouldn't have had this body of work for us to go through if it weren't for Max Bro denying that request... But at the same time, that's kind of a dick move because it's not like he's doing it for the greater good. He's like, I can still publish these. Like, it could, it could be right. just as easily him wanting to make money off of his dead friend, for all we know. We don't know. We don't know what the reasoning was. But suffice to say that Bro didn't and sat, and we didn't get a really cool end of the story where Pratchett got his, his executors decided, now we're just going to take a bulldozer and run over all of the hard drives. That, I still love that. If we ever covered, did we have we covered Terry Pratchett yet? I don't think uh, so. I've got Good Omens somewhere down on the on the list. So yeah, um, so yeah, when we cover Terry Pratchett, that's going to be an interesting end to the storyline, where it's just like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, and um, all of his unfinished works in the hard drives were just run over by a bulldozer because Terry Pratchett is just metal, hardcore AF. Exactly. Um, he also had, so uh, at the time, since there wasn't like a steady, he didn't write novels. He wrote mostly short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, he His published works appeared in various periodicals starting in 1908 up until he was too sick to write. And it wasn't until much later that he would get published books, thanks mostly to Max Brode, who was also kind of essentially the, you know, al- allowed for it to be published and essentially translated were it not for Broad, um, we probably wouldn't even hear of Kafka because none of his work would have gotten translated to English or any other language for that matter because it would have been, you know, essentially destroyed and left to the city of Prague, you know, the city of Prague as like a, you know, like a minor blip in their history. Mm. So like you'd be, all the all the Czech hipsters would be like, oh, you've never read Kafka? <laughs> well, not anybody can read Kafka. Um, he also, his last partner, Dora Diamant, uh, had multiple writings that were confiscated by the Gestapo in 1933. Um, the, there's also been an interesting bit toward recently because uh, the various unpublished works of his, after Broad died, they were left to his secretary. And since 2010, uh, his secretary's uh, family have been in a legal battle with the, with the National Library of Israel to who owns the rights to those things. Israel claims ownership because Kafka was a is considered a, a prominent Jewish figure and writer, mm. so they're trying to claim they have ownership of it as like the as sort of like the greater good, but the secretary's family is claiming they have private ownership and should hold the rights to it, and that's been a legal battle that is yet to be decided in the in the Israel courts. Interesting. Oh, uh, fun. Uh, his first translations appeared in English in the 1930s. Um, he was iconic for existentialism and alienation, which we'll get into. And he's also been compared to George Orwell and Ray Bradbury. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see those. And not just with the Metamorphosis, which is his much, his most like body horror, Cronenbergian 
Like, you, you could see Cronenberg directing an, uh, an adaptation of The Metamorphosis. Oh, God. Ugh. And then, uh, but, like, everything about his writings has been kind of, like, existential dread. And, like, some of it, have, some people have claimed that things like The Trial are um, criticisms of socialist bureaucracy and communist bureaucracy. Others have claimed that it's more just like, you know, he because he was an avowed socialist as well. In fact, he, he lost friends within the community because... Um, there were Zionists who didn't believe in socialism, and he was a you know avowed socialist as well. So Kafka's a very interesting figure, and uh, and uh, we're gonna and we're gonna get into that through his writings uh, right after this break. Greetings, Internet. I'm John Bailey, and if you like movies, you'll probably like the Popcorn Junkie Podcast. Every week, I review the movies that come out in theaters, talk a little bit about what I've been watching on streaming, and give discussions on Hollywood and filmmaking in general. So if you want to join in the discussion, you can find me on GumbyCatNetworks.com slash popcorn junkie, or just search Popcorn Junkie and find my orange mug staring at the movies chomping on some popcorn, along with the Gumby Cat logo at the bottom for all the up-to-date podcasts in your podcast provider. That's the th- I mentioned at the top of the show that Kafka was specifically vague in what exactly uh, Gregor Samsa turns into. We start the the novel the novella with him having already turned into a quote monstrous vermin, and he's very specifically bug like, but it's never specifically described what exactly he is. The most common interpretation is a roach, but um, Vladimir Nabokov, the writer behind uh, Lolita, very prominent uh, Russian writer, when he was teaching literature, when he taught Kafka's Metamorphosis, he actually drew in the notes what he thought of the uh, Gregor Sansa turning into, and he was much more beetle-like. So he's much more like a like even, he's even referred to as a dung beetle in my translation that I read. Yeah, right. that, he's referred to as a as a dung yeah the beetle cleaning lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so it's not specific. He's not, like they, he's not given specifics of like how big his jaw is, wh- whether he has wings or not. You know, various things that anybody who knows anything about insects could determine what he was. He was very. I mean, roaches are technically kinds of beetles, but they're the same. You know, body structure as a beetle. And I think that that people go with that mainly because he's considered a vermin. Mm. So if he was like a ladybug. They wouldn't have been so hard on him, but I think people lean towards roaches because we've deemed them to be vermin. Plus, it doesn't help that like (laughs) people keep putting roaches on the cover of the book, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I probably just got it through osmosis. (laughs) Actually, uh, go ahead, uh, Dex. I'm going to look up something real quick. I'm going to look up my cover and show you. I was just saying about. Beetles, my lizard deems them to be delicious. Yes. Or not beetles, roaches. Mm-hmm. Um, nom, 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 nom. 
Well, here's one that looks like a more specifically a dung beetle. Um, I'm pulling up actual book covers of a lot of. Ooh, here's a fun one. Uh, it's of a man's head on top of a beetle's body. Yeah. So that's an interesting interpretation of it. Um, a lot of beetles, specifically the dung beetle, I'm seeing a lot of. Um, there's one where he's half man, half beetle, like he's all hunched over. There's one that looks like the Birdman cover where a beetle's crawling out of a man's face. The, I mean, the Birdman poster. There's one that's a stag beetle. There's one that's, um... Yeah, it's varying degrees. I'm trying to find the one I read. The original Animorph. Beetle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would love... I, we need to do a cycle that's like the first entry in a series of books. Yes. So like the first Animorphs, the first whatever, and we would determine whether or not we would continue to read it. What is a friggin' butterfly? Okay. That's completely missing the point. Because if he were a butterfly, they, he, would, he would probably not be treated as harshly. Butterfly are not vermin. Thank you very much, book cover artist. <laughs> um... I am not seeing the one I have. Maybe they're being here. symbolic about how we should really be seeing the beauty of the creature, but everyone just saw horror. True. I don't know if they thought that deeply of it. I think they were just trying to sell a <laughs> sell a book by being people like butterflies, being... right? Yeah, like people like butterflies. Butterflies. Hey, butterflies go through metamorphosis. They do. Okay, let me go directly to where I got it from the uh, Akron Library because I wanted to bring it. There it is. Um, I think this is... No, that's not it. I th is it? It's the word metamorphosis and, like, really squiggly lighting, writing with six legs coming off of it. Ooh. So it's like the word metamorphosis turned into a bug. Well, I guess um, he turned into a big word. <laughs> on, damn. On, nerds. Come on. Here, no, mine, mine had a I little roach with, like, a little dash trail running around it. So I, I was like, yeah, roach, roach mode. I listened to the uh, the the ebook that I got through yeah. uh, Kindle Unlimited. Just had a link to the audiobook since it's public domain. Mm -hmm. And because I tried to read the first few pages, and I was like, okay, this isn't gonna work. That's the <laughs> other thing is that I think what we what we've, we're, we're we're discovering through this podcast is. Um, Melody didn't have this much problem with uh, Plath, but I know I did, specifically with wordy, like thick, thicker writing, more wordy mm -hmm. writing tends to make it harder for me to read. And like this is definitely sort of that classical style of writing where it's just, you know, going off extemporaneously and using so many words, and it's just like, even though this was like seventy pages, I still felt like it felt like homework trying to go get through it all. Oh yeah. Plus, there is a thing uh, with classic literature that it's very hard to make the people sound natural when they speak because right. it's so different. So I, I find it helps. Uh, I listen to the audiobook for this one just because work, mm -hmm. and I have lots right. of time to listen. Uh, I did, too. I, and I had it going while I was playing Minecraft yesterday. <laughs> the gentleman <laughs> that read the book to me was lovely and there's so many versions of this one because it's public domain uh so i don't know who the guy was <laughs> i don't remember the company yeah. but yeah it was good it was good so yeah um 
So yeah, um, Melody pictured a roach. Uh, you pictured some form of beetle. Uh, what did you picture, Max? Uh, yeah, like like a beetle of some kind. Because uh, I think the the uh, initial picture of a roach isn't like entirely entirely clear because a roach is like a big a big insect, and they weren't exactly clear on how big he was. He was big enough that he had trouble fitting through big. doors. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I imagined I got, him like, like uh, hmm, trying to think of like I guess a dog, he's like a in that Great Dane, garbage <laughs> or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah just, was... just a generic beetle. Just I don't know. Roaches freak me out, and it's it's hard to sympathize with a roach. Yeah, I kind of pictured him like I had just gotten some uh, uh, juvenile-ish dubia roaches for my lizard, and <laughs> they're mostly flat ish and that's kind of like how he was described not like as round bodied as a beetle mostly like flat low to the ground because um, he would like scurry under the couch, couch. Mm-hmm. and most couches only have maybe 8 to 10 inches of clearance max so he had to be pretty thin bodied I was thinking they were those old style couches that had the big long legs on them Right. Mm. Like big curly cloth feet. But even then, they wouldn't have more than a a Uh, foot or so of clearance. But yeah, um, so yeah, the basic premise uh, for this novella is that we start with Sansa, and then we learn through him uh, describing what he used to do before that day. Like, he's supposed to be at work as a traveling salesman. He's the main breadwinner for the family. And he... I got a lot of sort of existential depression coming from him because, like, I have to be at work and it's just like, but I don't want to get out of bed. And it's just, he's, you know, he's like, he constantly doesn't want to move and he feels like stuck in his, you know, his, in his body, especially. So you'll see a lot of him uh, going off on um, how low he feels, especially since his family doesn't really care much for him. Uh, and, they, especially as things go on, time goes on, they see him more as a burden than anything else. So I mm-hmm. think that plays into um, subtextually, like that you can read that as sort of him suffering from depression uh, in a way yeah. through his work. And that's what capitalism does to you, man. Oh yeah, that was the first kind of like problem I had, like trying to read it was. There's always a suspension of belief whenever you're reading any sort of not or any sort of fiction work. But the fact that like he wakes up a giant insect and his first thought is, "Huh, I'm late for work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in trouble for I'm going it's so embarrassing to try to call in for work because I've been there 5 years and I've never called in." Like you're not immediately freaking out like Fuck, I'm a giant bug. What the hell? Uh-huh. Capitalism does that to you, especially if you're cogging the wheel like he is. Suppose. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing I thought going on was that this, like, could have been, like, a whole huge metaphor for, like, a psychotic break. Well, like, sure. when he was talking about, like, brown substance being smeared all over the place when he was opening the door... Because he had hurt himself, well, maybe instead of opening the door and coming out as a giant insect, 
he came out smeared in his own feces mm. after suffering a huge ass psychotic break. That's uh, a new take I've had. But hey, it's it fits. I like that. Like becoming instead of being a bug, he's acting bug-like because he's just like completely lost his shit and has gone more or less catatonic. Hmm. And I, I kind of saw it as a huge metaphor for mental illness. Oh yeah, there's definitely uh, chunks of that in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for for the like especially like the latter parts of it, uh, it it felt like a lot that I was reading how it's like a family struggling with suddenly there's a member of the family who has a disability and that person was supporting them and now they have to make sacrifices to support that person and it's it's kind of it's kind of weird how the the ending of that is like okay well if you're a burden on your family the best thing you can do for them is die yeah it's they make reference to him thinking of himself as an invalid Mm-hmm. So there, they, that I think that's very much in nature of it. I think it's more, yeah. I think it's definitely more playing into the sort of mentality of he, him seeing himself as a burden and wanting to die mm-hmm. because no matter what he tries, like when he tries to enjoy his sister's music, like before he turned into a bug, he was going to send her to conservatory and study music, and when he was trying to go out there and listen to her play music, he scared off the lodger, one of the lodgers that had to stay with them because they couldn't make the same amount of money that they did when he was a salesman. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like him, especially since his family abused him when he was a bug, like he, he died from a wound he took from his father yeah. who threw apples at him and one got stuck in him. I have yet to... I, <laughs> yeah. that, that seemed odd See, that's, because... that's why I thought he was so big. Is because, like, he's so big right. that this thing, like, lodged into his back like a kind of... Like a uh, like a rock or a bullet or something mm. and just, like, sunk in and started getting an right. infection and rotting and... Gross. And yet, what bug exoskeleton would be... Like, that's the whole thing, is that bugs have hard exoskeletons that take a lot of pressure. I mean, not for us, but, like, essentially for their for their own body size to to crack. So, like, how hard was this apple being thrown at him that it broke through the exoskeleton? Maybe he had just molted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, this, it's no molted again. That. I thought that was interesting. That I was, mean. exactly, it, there's, <laughs> this is not, ba- that's why this is mostly fiction. It is not, it has no understanding mostly, of it. It's only mostly fiction? It's, it's only mostly fiction. Well, okay. I mean, like, well, that's the whole thing is that, like, the whole fact of dead. him being a... Exactly. <laughs> Kafka's not writing this from the point of view of somebody who understands how bug uh, bi- anatomy and biology works. He's mm-hmm. just like, oh, hey, here's a bug, and an apple just gets stuck at him, because well, that can happen. I mean, maybe the creature he turned into wasn't even, like, a recognizable actual animal like it'd be one thing if you dealt with a big bug and you've seen the bug before but like if you're dealing with some horror creature that is just like hey i have a bunch of like sharp legs and i'm like a weird chimera thing that (laughs) that would be pretty freaky (laughs) i like that reading he doesn't turn into a recognizable bug he's a bug-like eldritch horror yeah yeah pretty much yeah i i am here for that he's been full metal alchemist (laughs) <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, have you seen the uh, webcomic going around uh, where like it's like an adult 
uh, woman and her like 16 year old cousin, and she's like, "Oh, you're watching Full Metal Alchemist," and it's specifically uh, the shot of the daughter and the dog, and it's like, "Oh, oh yeah. those are those are my favorite characters." I love what that happens to them, and then she goes into the other room, and then the cousin just stop, uh, just open, you know, slams open the door. It's like, you're so mean, <laughs> so mean. <laughs> uh, oh, that's lovely. You're not wrong. Uh, but um, yeah, this uh, the the novella for those who haven't read it is split up into three parts. Uh, the first part being Gregor's for Gregor's initial transformation. The second part being how the family is initially trying to deal with it, and the third being how it all ends up. And so by the f- it kind of felt like the first part was just his first day as a bug, then the second part was the intervening months, and the last part was like his last day. So like you had any like short amount of time covered in the first part, short amount of time covered in the second part, and then just kind of like the 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 the, the, the uh, long span of intervening time. The months that are are covered in the, which mm-hmm. I pretty much just said twice. <laughs> now you got, um, so yeah, like I mentioned before, uh, Kafka has daddy issues, and you can see that specifically in this book. Um, the way he depicts Gregor's father is essentially um, an elaborative depiction of Kafka's own father, based on his own descriptions of him. And the same goes with his mother. I don't know if it, if um, uh, Greta is based on any specific sister of his, but the mother and father are specifically based on his own mother and father. And his father being the one that, like, the minute he sees that he's, that he's what he's become, attacks it and, and uh, demonizes it and considers it vermin and monstrous. Whereas the sister is the only one who tries to initially see bits of Gregor left in what he's become. Mm-hmm. The, the really telling thing for me that really kind of solidified my thought of it being a uh, uh, metaphor for mental illness was that, like, even though he couldn't communicate in a way that the others could understand, like, he could understand them, but they, like, they completely saw it if, oh, well you can't see me, I can't see you type of deal. Like, we can't understand you, therefore there's absolutely no way that you understand us, so there's no part of you left that's actually, like, you. Which is actually, which is straight up said at the end, the sister says we have to stop pretending that there's any chance that this is actually Gregor. It's, he's gone. And I feel like that's a that's the way a lot of mental illness is seen mm-hmm. and from you know my uh stacy being a, a history major and whatnot she have we have long discussions about how like mental illness was even more stigmatized uh back then than it is now yeah so that's very much the way it would have been seen mm-hmm. then too exactly um I think that's an interesting arc that you find as the book goes on. That's the only real arc we get is Greta going from sympathetic and caring and being the one to really feed Gregor to the point by the end where she's finally grown fed up with him. Like she Initially, she was the one who cleaned his room and took care of him. And eventually, by the time she's having to work on her own job and have her own troubles, she has grown like her parents to see him as a burden. 
And so she believes the best thing for them to do is get rid of him. And to see that progress as the story went along, to see, I think it's at that point, once he hears that, that he finally gives up. Because he's, because yeah, it was after that point, after that point is when he acts, the next morning is when they find him dead. Um, which is probably coincidental, because, I mean, that apple wound has been festering in his body for probably months. Mm. And... But that night, to hear his sister openly say, with disdain in her voice for him, that they have to get rid of him, it probably just let him give up. It made, it made him just like, why even bother going on? And so he just gave up and let himself die. I'm surprised yeah. no one, like, made, like, a little Ouija board for him. <laughs> and, like, he could crawl around and, like, I don't even know we- yes, no, write the letters. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, know if Ouija I don't bo- think to do that. Exactly. Um, it, well, I don't even know if Ouija boards were a thing in nineteen uh, ten. They were. Uh, they were actually uh, mid eighteen hundreds, I think. Okay. okay. So there's a popular Victorian parlor game for fun. Uh, I don't know if that made its way to check to the to uh, Prague or not. And uh, well, I mean. But even even so, they could just yeah, exactly. Write. Like if they if they if they if they wanted to, they could have tried to find a way to communicate with him. I get the feeling that his family were not as concerned with helping him to regain his humanity. They had just essentially given up on him. Yeah. Which... Yeah. Rather rather than specifically mental illness, I just thought about like the general theme of othering. Whether it's um, social, because they're also dealing with like economic issues, and um, how easy it is to go from one social class to another just because one one thing happens, and how even though you know like the way things are and the way things are like, it's really impossible to just get in someone else's head. Like no matter what you like, you can be the most altruistic person in the world, but you'll never understand the experience of another po- person fully. And you can try to be as empathetic as you want, but in the end, no one's gonna fully understand you. And it was just, I don't know. It's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying something? Uh, no, I'm I'm starting to sound like a broken record with my mental illness thing. I mean, yeah, no, that's, I, I think that's a, a valid good read on it. Exactly. It's, I mean, you could easily read, that's the nice thing about a really well-written story is you can apply so many things to its themes because even if it's like, to, we've read this in a socioeconomic thing uh, where because one family member who is a breadwinner is cannot earn the money, now he's deemed as less important. Because now they have to, because the system we have in place, in order for them to survive, they need money. And since he can't wait, make the money, he is of no use to them, which is definitely brought up in the book. Uh, and kind of, I think, why I think that you know, even if it's not intentional, it's kind of an underlying criticism of capitalism from Kafka, who was a socialist, and that there was no way to that for them to care for themselves, and they had to drop from a, one class to another, being you know, more upper middle class, and then even talking about having to sell their apartment because they couldn't afford to live there anymore because with, because that line of income is gone, and their new all three of them getting jobs was unable to cover for them, for it. Which makes me wonder just how much was he making as a salesman that right. that the, the three jobs couldn't compensate with lodgers paying rent could not compensate for that apartment. 
uh, I don't know, Prague economic structure in the 1910s. So if you if you are familiar with historic uh, Czech economics, uh, be sure to uh, like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> um, but yeah, t- talking about mental illness, talking about... Um, you could even add other things. Like, we could bring in... You could apply a sort of thing of, like, transitioning. Not in the same sense, but, like, the way the family reacts to Gregor. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, that sort of othering, the treating you as... Because you are you have changed to, yeah. for the family to then turn on you. And that sort of reading of it could be applied to so many different topics. So, yeah, treating... Applying it to mental illness specifically is just as valid as applying it to physical disability, to anything, you know, various other things. I mean, that's a that's a sign of a good, uh, well-written story. Yeah, one one thing I drew specifically from it is that I think I talked about this like way back in the Tales of Earthsea episode, but just in case I haven't mentioned it, um, was I, that episode one? Yeah, I'm it was. pretty sure it uh-huh. was. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have, like, a, a fairly large birthmark on my body. It's on uh, 75% of the right-hand side of my body. And dealing with the way people react to it in society, like, I don't care about it. It's fine. But I've been told so many weird things and, like, ways to fix it from people that's completely unsolicited. <clears throat> And I've had a woman yeah. tell me that um, everyone to live in this life has to pay some kind of price and that this yes. was my price to pay for yes. being able to live in this world. Like, this was when I was cashiering, so a nice cheery customer there. Um, so I was, I was really feeling the whole monstrous side where, like, some people view what what my body looks like is the absolute worst horror thing that could happen to myself. Yet, like, I'm still in control of my mental faculties. And, I, I mean, I don't mind the way it looks. I think it's fine. And a lot of people don't. So I... I it's also I not was, like... But, you know. Like, it's not like it was... It's it's causing you pain, either. It's just the way your, your outer skin looks. And there's... Yeah, some yeah, people, I mean, some people, it does cause pain. So some people have. I mean, I have it very, very fortunate. The <laughs> the lack of things that this complications that it has caused in my life because it's caused by another medical syndrome, which people don't understand. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just a thing. Like I was really getting that othering, like everyone seeing you as a monster, even though you are completely fine or capable of doing things in the world. And it's just the way that people view you when they're coming from a different angle. So that's kind of why I had the more general, like othering vibe instead of like trying to narrow it down to something specific. Mm. Yeah. When you, there's that, that's the, that's the uh, tightrope you walk when you're talking about when you're writing that sort of thing. You could either write it too specific to make it a, to keep it from applying to other things, but by writing like by writing it just vague enough that it that it can apply to so many things, you're also not seen as like lazy because you're not mm-hmm. being descriptive enough. I think it's descriptive enough to make it make us understand that it doesn't matter what species of insect he is. It's just that he has become this this bug-like creature and his family sees him as a monster and he is then on top of that the longer he stays in that form they the more useless they see him as and the more of a burden they see him as so it goes from being horrified to being 
frustrated mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an interesting take that nobody ever really seems to talk about with these mo- with these sort of things, where it's like a transformation, where it's just like, oh my god, the immediate horror, and then nobody talks about like, oh great, Ted's still a bug. <sighs> Can you fucking believe that guy doesn't pay any rent anymore? <laughs> fucking Ted. <laughs> Fuck Ted. God damn it, Ted. Go get a job. Yes, I understand you're an eldritch abomination. That doesn't mean you still can't get a job. Yeah, that's, that needs to be the, the modern adaptation that we see in theaters next summer. It and then, metamorphosis uh, the comedy. Exactly. <laughs> I, I would see a sitcom of metamorphosis where it's just like... Even if it was just like a comedy, a college humor, or a... You know, like a like an like some kind of sketch where it's just like metamorphosis written as a sitcom, mm-hmm. and it's just like this uh, a huge monstrous bug like monstrosity, and just like God damn it, Greg, go get a job. And in the subtitles, it's the quote from uh, Charlie Day and on a uh, on a uh, it's always sunny. Oh, get a job, huh? Why don't they just put on my job helmet, climb into the job cabin, and fly off at the job plan where jobs grow and jobbies. <laughs> <laughs> Thing is, we'd probably find a pretty good use for a giant bug just, like, eating garbage or some shit. Oh, yeah, there's... Mm-hmm. In, in today's day and age, we, we, would abs- we would absolutely find use for it. I think it's at the time, they just... They were more concerned with social mores and societal... Stru- especially in Central and Eastern Europe, there's a lot of that mentality. It's very... You know, it kind of plays into, like, a lot of Eastern cultures, specifically, having the more communal... Uh, having more communal living spaces and therefore what the community sees and thinks matters just as much as your own, if not more so than your own personal thoughts and beliefs. So. Yep. uh, Yeah. I don't know if there's anything else uh, I really want to talk about. Long story short, fuck capitalism. Yeah! Pretty much. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know how the metaphor, I think trying to adapt this story into a modern day setting we would have much many more people sympathetic i think it would have to be a bottle story because if you include wider society there would be people much more willing to accommodate uh gregor's condition and study it and understand it more mm-hmm. i think keeping it contained to just the family and like him being the family's dirty little secret um keep you my day <laughs> stop reading my uh, mind happened in my head too <laughs> i just uh, had the guts to say it yeah um but yeah but keep being kept as like the family you know skeleton in the closet is is how the story works because if he had included it to wider society then there would there would at least be some people willing to accommodate him and study him even if his family didn't love him anymore and so it has to remain this sort of bottle story. Otherwise, it, all the themes go out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't think of anything else. Um, I think I think I think we've covered everything. I also recommend I uh, watch the video again this uh, morning uh, while I was reading it. It is a rapper. I forget his name. Let me pull up my history because I have it now. Is it um, is it Thug Notes? I love him. I don't know about I I haven't watched Thug Notes. This is an actual is uh, rap song by Raheem Megaron Jarbo. It's called Buggin' the Metamorphosis official video, um, and it's literally just the plot of the Metamorphosis wrapped out by uh, Raheem here, and it's the plot of Metamorphosis. Um, 
as he talks about you know turning into a bug and he basically breaks down the plot of the book <laughs> right oh, up to the end uh so yeah go look up buggin by raheem megaron jarbo on mm -hmm. youtube and go watch that video. I also need to check out Thug Notes on this, too. Thug Notes is the best. If you are, like, stuck on any piece of classical literature, he will break it down and analyze it. And break it's it the funniest shit ever. Wow. Um, I'm sorry. There's a video on here of Ace Attorney X Hamilton. <laughs> that I'm going to have to check out. Sorry. Send that to weird me YouTube recommendation. Weird YouTube recommendations that come right the hell out of nowhere. I think that's because I watched the um, Boot to the Head Ace Attorney video a couple <laughs> times. One. Yeah. Um, okay. A lifetime supply of Boot to the Face. Well, oh, fuck me. Uh, and and to right. my cat mittens, I give my, uh, my entire quantity of Boot to the Head. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Uh, okay, so yeah, we're getting, off, we're, we're, we're getting off the rails here. We're off the rails now. So what Aren't is we always? What, uh, <laughs> we start with melody. Uh, what do you think, and would you recommend it? Uh, well, would you recommend it? Would you read it <laughs> again? Yeah, let's see. Uh, I guess I I felt just kind of. Mm, I mean, I didn't not enjoy it, but like it was so short that I didn't really mind it. Uh, I didn't hate it. I related to it, <laughs> um, but it just kind of felt like one of those, um, like a Nathaniel Hawthorne short story that you'd read in high school and like maybe didn't have much impact on you. I don't know. You guys might like Hawthorne. I was like, whatever. I I'm also only prejudiced because he Scarlet wrote a Letter. book about a birthmark and made it a horror show. Uh, but anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. I'll, all I've read was The Scarlet Letter and... I, that never impacted my life one bit, really. But yeah, it also just, wasn't, yeah, the themes don't affect me either, so. <laughs> like, I guess it just made me feel a little, like, bad without learning much. Like, I don't feel like I grew from reading it. It just felt like, yeah, society's shitty, and this is shitty that it happened. So I guess, <laughs> I don't know, it's hard to say. Um, I didn't You're mind saying... it. Would I recommend it? It's so short. Why not? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be like, I don't see myself talking to all my friends like, oh my God, guys, I just read this great story and you have <laughs> yeah. to read it. Um, yeah. So I'd just say, read it if you want. If, if a giant bug being sad sounds great <laughs> to you, read it. If, if it doesn't, don't. Um, but I mean, it, it's a, it's good to have classics under your belt, I think, and I think this is something that would probably pop up in the culture as a reference more than you think it would. Um, and it, it's probably just a good read just to have under your belt since it's so short. So I guess I would recommend it, but not like raving reviews. Would I read it again? Probably not. Although I own the audiobook to it, so I guess I could. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Max next. Um, no, but you had a... I'll save it for my... Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I would definitely recommend it for, for those same reasons. It's it's a good short classic. You If you want to read it and feel sad for, for a bit, go for it. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I would read it again, necessarily. I mean, I kind of got the gist of it, and it just made me sad. 
Uh, I would. Uh, I, w I definitely want to go check out the trial though, because I've heard a lot of interesting stuff about that. So it's it's a good good piece of uh, classic history, and honestly, it's capitalism, baby. Yep. Shit sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of feel like this was the the, the, the early. 20th century equivalent of a modern day shitpost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong? <laughs> like, short. It's a creepy pasta. <laughs> right. It's a creepy pasta yeah, yeah. that ends with it being sad and not scary. Yeah. It's like, you turn into bug, family hates you, dad throws apple, gets stuck, you get sick, everyone hates you, wants you to die, you die. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So. I mean, as far as if I would recommend it, I might recommend it to my stoner friends to for them to work out what the fuck he was on. Um, Turns out it was just tuberculosis. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, you know, syphilitic insanity. Something not like outside the realm of possible. Daddy issues. Daddy issues, syphilitic insanity, tuberculosis, this shit. Um... Did I enjoy it? Not necessarily. Um, it, like uh, Melody and Max said, it's something good to have under your belt because it's one of the classics. And, you know, it can provide... Everything you read can provide more framework for future situations, yada blah, English, English teacher, English, 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 English. <laughs> uh, something I hello. am not good hello, at. Hello students, I'm your English teacher, Professor Fudd. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage. Marriage. Marriage is what brings English us together, together today. today. <laughs> uh, okay, <Anyways>. <laughs> <laughs> Rough. are back on the rails. Call me Captain 80 Squirrel. <laughs> um. Anyways, what was I? What was I you were, even saying? You Shit. weren't saying the English teacher nonsense about you could. Everything provides a framework for everything you read in the future. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what you recommended? Would you read it again? Uh, passively, like, hey, I read this and I didn't hate it. <laughs> pretty much answers both questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think this is. The, the most meh we've had a, of a book we've read because we're all in the same boat which is we didn't hate it it was a thing we read well Max really liked a, it I don't know. well I like it that's I the thing I, I, don't, I didn't love it I mean it's yeah, yeah. Right. that's true I, hey whoa 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 don't say I liked the thing now I didn't love the thing I said I liked the thing um, I had it on in the background while I was playing Minecraft <laughs> and I enjoyed it um well, I think the thing is, meta, the the story, the premise of this has been done more interestingly down the line. Like, The Fly mm -hmm. is basically <laughs> the metamorphosis with more, especially the Cronenberg version, with more, um, more, pl more playing on the horror and the, you know, personal drama of it, more so than Kafka ever did with it. Kafka... Kafka-esque in, in, in like a literary term is is like existential like chaos mm -hmm. where he's just like ah oh, shit sucks man what the fuck are you gonna do about it 
that's kind of like Kafka's mentality when it comes to his writing. Because the trials are like that as well, where it's just like the bureaucratic nightmare of it all. And it's just like existential, like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? And there's no answer. <laughs> it's, it's live through it until you die. Yep. <laughs> Nihilistic motherfucker. That's what, that's what, that's what, um, Central Europe does to you. Wubba lubba dub dub. <laughs> um, exactly. So I think reading this, I'm glad I finally got the chance to read it. Having read it, I'm not, my life hasn't changed because of it. Right. I'm glad I got the chance to read it. I'm glad that, but I'm also glad that it served as a framework for more interesting stories to come. I think Kafka's thing is like, I think he gets played up more by literary circles as like this titanic figure in like modernist writing. And it's just like, he's good, but like, and he's like weird and I like the weird, but it's just like, he never plays up the weirdness. He only like all the whole time he's a bug, he plays up like the social dynamics of like, oh, I can't go to work, but I can't go to work now. Yeah, about the only thing he plays up about being a bug is being able to climb on the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess so, like, I guess sensibilities of the time period though, people just didn't do that. So yeah, that was this was probably, probably pretty we- horrifying for back then. Women were still swooning. Exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. Her mom passes she, out yeah. like five times. So <laughs> So yeah, it's very much, um, this would have been weird at the time, but now it's mundane. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the whole thing of like the changing of the time. So much time has passed. It's, over been, it's been over a hundred years almost. And the story has lost a lot of its impact because people have taken that ball and gone further with it. So I would recommend you read it at least once. I doubt I'll actually come back to it again unless I get the urge to feel sad things about Bugman <laughs> Gregor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll only go two hours if you feel like wasting exactly. Your I think it helps with the short read uh, compared to like Animal Farm, which I would devour again and again. I think this short read feels longer though, and it's not bad. But at the same point, like it doesn't it doesn't bring enough to the table. Maybe his other works are different, but like for this one being as iconic as it is, it's kind of it ultimately doesn't really do as much as it could do and what right. other people have done more. Like, I think a modern-day interpretation could go more interesting places than this book did. And, you know, it's just it, it probably just, you know, limitations of his time period and the fact that he was always struggling with perfectionism and, you know, this is what he could get out, so he never really, you know, made it something bigger. So it's, a, it's an interesting little read. Um... This is probably if you. This is probably just something to like weird for your high school cl- kids to read in English class more so than something to really t- sink your teeth into. Yeah, sounds about right. So, if you're an English teacher out there and you are not making your kids read the Metamorphosis, you're doing it wrong. I don't care. Sure, save it for your AP classes, but let your kids weird read weird shit. I also think it w- it would resonate really well at a teenage level. I think where everyone's feeling kind of gross about themselves and they're feeling like freaks, and I think it would weirdly resonate better if I was younger and had read it. I don't know about you. I'm not a teenager, but I always feel like a freak. Shit. <laughs> uh, feel like a freak on a leash. Feeling you know, I'm seeing them the on my birthday. Nice. Um, anyway. <laughs> So that was our uh, thoughts. Next next time around, we start another cycle. And this time, we have a theme. And Dex picked our theme. What are we reading? 
uh, post-apocalyptic slash dystopian stuff because we're living in a dystopian nightmare anyway. So, you know, get with the times, people. Might as well read something to escape from our current dystopia with a quote-unquote better dystopia, depending on your sensibilities. <laughs> Let's sure. prepare. So, prepare for the dystopia, so, friends. So prepare for the nihilistic dread and existential nightmares. Um, we're going to start off with Slide. Melody's Otherwise pick, known which as is... life. Yes. <laughs> uh, so what are you starting us off with, Melody? We are going to read Blindness by Jose Saramago, which I've not read, which, so and, I picked it. And we had to actually look up beforehand to know <laughs> whether or not it was actually... Um, uh, not uh, post-apocalyptic, oh, well, but I know it is. That. I knew that it was that because I I picked it off of a list of things that were that. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> I just don't yeah. remember what I picked because I picked it like yeah. a year or so more long yeah, year and a, a half ago. Yeah, some of it. It's been wow. It's been a while. Um, mm-hmm. but for those who aren't familiar, they did adapt it into a movie with Julianne Moore and um, and uh, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. I was trying to think his name was. Trying to say Rocky, but like, where where does Rocky fit into his name? I don't know, but yeah. Um, so I'm gonna be watching the movie uh, for adaptation once we read the book for educational purposes. Maybe we can do the well, blindness I... challenge instead of the bird box challenge. We'll, yeah. see <laughs> yes. we'll see. We'll see how the book plays out. Um, uh, but I I like if there's an adaptation that a prominent adaptation of it, I like to see how the movie compares with the book. As uh, sort of like a comparison guy since i am the movie person um i do a whole podcast which i will plug in just a second so yeah that's gonna start our dystopian post-apocalyptic nightmare hellscape uh uh cycle and uh so you can stay tuned for that come september 15th and um in the meantime where can they find you guys you can find me on twitter at at minikui which is at m-i-n-i-k-u-i cool you can find me also on Twitter at maxalittle 67 At the moment, you can't really find me anywhere because you can't see I me. don't exist. But But I uh I am having uh top surgery in September. <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> I just watched and... the Queer Eye episode where they had the <laughs> Right? Okay, Isn't that yeah. like, oh my god, the best? <laughs> yes. Um, anyways, uh, I am thinking about starting like an Instagram feed on recovery stuff. So nice. I'm not sure like if I'm going to have a name for that or anything or whatever. More idea. to come. But yeah, so September, I'll probably be on the September podcast. I will probably have to bow out of the... Uh, October podcast because it's a long ass recovery Mm, because I'll basically have 10 to 12 inch scars on both sides of my chest. (laughs) If you feel, if you wish you can, uh, that, that one will be Max's and Mm -hmm. we, and if you get the chance to like, listen, you can listen to the audio book while you're recovering and like send in your thoughts. Yeah. That's probably what'll happen. Um, Mm -hmm. But hopefully you're back in November because that's the one you host. Yeah, that'll be my sadistic ha 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 because I'm making y'all read Stephanie Meyer. Oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> Damn it! Um, <laughs> ha 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 ha! I had to go through uh, living nightmarish pain, so now I'm su- uh, subjecting the rest of you to it as well. <laughs> <laughs>
anyway, uh, you can find me over... I brought back... Um, I mentioned it last month uh, that I was going to do Popcorn Junkie on Crawl and Stuber. I actually put the podcast on hiatus for two weeks because I, I wasn't getting good, view, good views, good numbers. And um, I was getting a lot of wor- hard work that I was putting into that it was... Um, I wasn't able to get done due to my day work, day job. And um, so I took a break and now Popcorn Junkie Refilled is just me doing reviews. So I did a whole bunch this, uh, the week before this recording on Crawl, Stuber, both Lion Kings, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and the first half of My Little Pony Season 9. <laughs> so... Feeling refreshed, are we? I'm back. I'm back on. I'm back on track. And uh, controversial opinion: I prefer the remake over the original of The Lion King. Don't <gasps> at me. We're gonna yes. have words. <laughs> we are going. I, I will not be changed from that opinion, having watched both in the same day. Okay. Yes. All right. I will. I will die on this hill. God damn it. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I was kind of. I respect I, your opinion. I was kind of wary to go see the new one because I thought it was going to be crap, but... John, I'll say this. It is completely... I will admit, it is completely beholden to that original. There's no reason for it to exist. And yet it does. But, for my sensibilities, what I get out of a movie, I got more out of what I enjoy in movies from the John Favreau version over the original version. Probably because I've aged 20 years since the original version came out. Hmm. Fair enough. Um, but it's also not bad. I did, I, you know, Favreau has so far made the best remakes, even though they technically don't deserve to exist. Thanks, <laughs> Bob Iger, you cheap, yo, capitalist pig. Yep. I can't wait to eat you. For the rich! <laughs> For the rich. And For the rich. Um, and, well, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's end this. Um, by the time this comes, episode comes out, I, what is the week, uh, this episode comes out? Hold on, let me pull up the... Uh, It'll, it'll be, be the, the it'll Thursday. be the well yeah it'll be the 15th of this month but that'll be the episode um I'll be covering uh in, in between the recording of this episode and when you when y'all get to hear it I will be covering um Hobbs and Shaw Woo! Fast and Furious which I had a blast at um oh my god damn hell uh <laughs> a, August 9th has like five new releases Oh shit! Uh, one of which is Dora the Explorer movie. Oh no! <laughs> and scary stories to tell in the dark, which I am here for. Yes. Jesus. Yes. Yes. Um. Oh. Um. The week the the episode the week this episode comes out for you guys, I will be covering the Angry Birds movie too. So that's what's coming out. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Blinded by the lights coming out too. Um. Sorry. Uh. I also did not realize that that was a, a um, um, Bruce Springsteen song that was covered by Manfred Mann. I always assumed, because I had heard the Manfred Mann version, that that was a Manfred Mann song. <laughs> it is, in fact, a, a Bruce Springsteen song. So all the time that I spend, like, why are they using a Manfred Mann song to for this Bruce Springsteen movie? And then to learn that that was a cover, I'm like, well, I will go home and rethink my life. Everything I know is a lie. Everything I know is a lie. Anyway, let's let's get out of this uh, <laughs> nightmare hellscape that we've created for ourselves. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media as well. We're at facebook.com slash livinginthestacks, in the stacks cast on Twitter, living in the stacks on Instagram, 
And I don't know how active we are in there, but we're living in the stacks podcast.tumblr.com. Uh, you, you'll most likely be interacting with Melody over there because no. I gave Melody. <laughs> we're not no. doing Tumblr, no. <laughs> no, not on Tumblr, but oh. on the social media. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Melody has become has the keys to our social media feed. So if you're going to talk we to anybody, it'll probably be me. Yeah, we'll probably it'll be doing be either a, me we're or be Melody. Doing a host showcase soon, so keep your eyes on Ooh. the feed. Ooh, yes. interesting. So yeah, um, we might have to include signatures for whether it's you or I you doing it. Because even though I'm not active, I'll sometimes share stuff. Mm-hmm. If so, there's lots of exclamation uh, points in it, it's me. <laughs> uh, shout out to Magdalene Rose uh, for her artwork. She is at the Magdalene Rose on Twitter, and she has changed her name from Super Princess Tea Party to just Magdalene Rose because YouTube is a nightmare hellscape as well. And she had to change her name. Same thing happened to uh, Dom Noble, uh, Dom Smith, uh, the uh, host of uh, Lost in Adaptation. He had to go change his name to Dominic Noble on YouTube because something about the algorithm. Hmm. YouTube is a nightmare housecape, and, yep. and it should be burnt to the ground. Um, <laughs> and thanks to Dream States for our theme. Uh, you can check them out on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and anywhere else music is streamed. Check out their debut albums, Parts 1 and 2, their follow-up album, Mode of Being, their current album, Sad, Bad, Happy, Good, and... Um, or is it the other way around? No, it's Sad, Bad, Happy, Good. Okay. Um, in fact, you might hear a noticeable uh, music in Sad, Bad, Happy, Good on one of their tracks. I noticed it too. Uh, I noticed it when I listened through. I'm like, I recognize that. So, um, I'll just say this: uh, keep an eye, out, keep an ear out for Lead Foot. That's all I'll say about that. And then they're also, you know, so um, that, check out all of their stuff. They are, they are already they have like I think five songs planned out for their next album. So their next album is already underway. So uh, by the time our next episode rolls out, it may already be out for all we know. Those ladies just do not stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Uh, Good lord. Exactly. So, uh, I think that does it for us. Cool. Until next time, you'll find us. Yeah, you'll find us living in the stacks. Bye. 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 Bye.